Come on. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? This is Jason Tucker, and this is WP Water Cooler. It is episode number 232. Today, we're going to be talking a little about uh, new parents and plugins and how you should uh you know learn about using those plugins and marketing them and talking about them oh wait that was last night so last night we actually did a two-parter for the show last what? night's show was all about the marketing side of a new plugin and we brought russ back on again because he's always on the show to talk a little bit about um uh, how to do uh you know when you're starting a new plugin what to kind of expect when you're expecting sort of thing it's like you built this <laughs> plugin and now what are you going to do with it and how are you going to kind of get that thing it's going three months so, along your plugin is now the size of an apple <laughs> exactly <laughs> right so, so let's get around the room real quick get everyone introduced george <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself my name is George Stefanis. I work on the Jetpack team at Automatic, where I get to build shiny things and sync code bases and cry myself to sleep. Nice. How about you, Mr. Cosper? I'm Jason Cosper. I am the developer advocate over at WP Engine, and I also like to cry myself to sleep. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, John Brown? Uh, my name is John Brown. I have an agency called Nine Seeds. I'm also a full-time digital nomad. I blog at wanderingjohn.com. I organize WordCamps like WordCamp Orange County coming up in six weeks. Wow. Uh, and attend a lot of meetups all over the world. From Awesome. Your, your WordCamp is now the size of a papaya. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Russ? Tell us about yourself. Uh, I do stuff at WebDev. I, I write plugins, and uh, I, I, I'm going to be in the plugin palooza. I've got an awesome plugin that I'm so excited. I think it's going to do well. Woohoo! Nice. Good to have you on. How about you, Sarah? Hi, I'm Sarah Weefald. I'm the project manager at Zeke Interactive. I facilitate the Orange County WordPress design meetup, and I am also on the organizing team for WordCamp Orange County. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Steve? I am Steve Zangan. I'm the founder of Zeke Interactive, and I run the OC WordPress meetup, and I'm the lead organizer for WordCamp Orange County, which has been mentioned is in six weeks. I don't know why my phone's ringing. Sorry. It's because someone's calling. I'm Jason Tucker. You can find me over at Jason Tucker on Twitter. My blog is jasontucker.blog. And I do two shows here, WP Water Cooler and WP Blab. Feel free to go take a look at those. WP Blab is on Thursdays. All right. So, Russ, this is totally your topic. Tell us a little bit about how you thought um, about this topic and how you want to kind of structure it out for you. Well, I mean, so the idea was like kind of telling people like what's involved in in like you have this idea for a plugin now what right like like you build the thing you test it you get all the a b stuff but then it's like what do you do with it you have this plugin now now where do you go right and i guess that's what this last night's show was is how do you pimp your plugin out to people on twitter and facebook and and to say hey go go try my plugin you, you know it, it's one of those kind of things and i think i think it's very interesting to, to see companies or people who write plugins and how they kind of market and, and strategize getting this thing installed and activated. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that that's what, I mean, last night we kind of talked a little bit about the marketing side of it, but when you're doing the, de the development side of it, it's like, okay, now you've uh, created this plugin and now you want to have people test it. You want to have your friends take a look at it and kind of see how this how this is working on their sites. And then you know you push it out to the general public, and the general public is going to come back and say, 
like who taught you how to code? What's wrong with this thing? You know, did you? Did, why didn't you put a, a graphic as the header on the in the, uh, the directory? Why isn't there a video explaining how to do this thing? I mean, there's tons of stuff to do after launching one of these plugins. See, you know? the the biggest note I got last year from John Brown in the plugin Palooza is uh, how come this thing isn't translatable? <laughs> and then does it work on multi-site? Yeah, so we develop our plugins on multi-site now, and ironically, like a couple days ago, I got a complaint from somebody that our plugin didn't support um, the Danish language numerals because they use like one comma zero instead of one point zero to enter time. Nice in time tracking plugin, and we didn't have a Danish translation. But this guy like actually wrote up the mo translation file for us, so we can distribute it in Danish as well. We've got like twelve languages or something. Wow. But it's hard to maintain the, the languages because you go in there and you add features and you forget to add features with translation functions on them. So. Well, I, I mean, so so that's one of the things, right, is is are, is this plugin going to be supported for multi-site? Do you put a disclaimer on the .org page that says, hey, doesn't work with multi-site, will never work with multi-site? What do you do, right? Uh, I, my theory there is everything should work with multi-site. Agreed. I I think if you're a a plugin developer, you you're you're doing the world and yourself a disservice if you're not developing it with multi-site first. Um, not because uh, most people use multi-site, most people don't, but it's really not that much extra effort to play well on multi-site. Sure, yeah. it's a good way of just using best practices from from the start. You don't have to rewrite something later. And depending on what you're doing, sometimes there are fun little neat little bits you can add in for folks that do have to be writing multi-site. Maura Thiel gave a really good talk at WordCamp San Diego about why good developers never ignore multi-site. Yeah. What's think, the gotcha there that makes it difficult for developers to do to do their plugins in multi-site? Like what's that thing that's just like, man, this is this what's what makes it difficult? Um, well, there's a couple. Uh, one being that user tables are global. So if you're storing something in user meta uh, and expecting that to be just for the site you're working on, you need to be aware that, oh, if you're a multi-site, there could be five other sites, blogs in the same multi-site environment writing to the same user meta key, and you may not be expecting that. Right. There's also no expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> there's a, there's a setting amongst our problems with multi-sites are <laughs> there's a, there's actually a setting in multi-site where um, as a super admin you can say don't show the plugin menu for just admins of a single site on a multi-site um, that I, I just recently found and and that could be something that you know you're saying if user can manage plugins and if that thing's not checked your code's still not going to work. So that's one of those things where that's why you should be testing on multi-site for stupid little things like that that you were unaware of. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's one of those things where if you don't build your plugin that way from the start, uh, your plugin will be out there for a month, and then you'll get support requests, why doesn't this work on multi-site? And fixing that is way harder than it is than doing it from the start. Um, and I think that goes back to kind of the support issues. like. A lot of the support issues are multi-site, uh, interestingly, translations, uh, interestingly, email-related stuff. 
Um, I guess it varies depending on the plugin, but. Um, so so it, it's kind of like being a musician, right? You have your whole life to write your first album, but then you only get six months to follow up with your second record. Yeah. You know, and, and plugins are kind of like that, right? You have your entire life to write this plugin. Once it gets released out there, you got to come out with a patch sometime soon. I think it would be really cool to have something like a blog post, maybe about like what are the support issues you should be thinking about while writing your first plugin. Maybe I'll make that my annual blog post. Whoa. I mean, I was hinting at John, but you know, oh. you know. I, I might I might beat you to it in my semi or my biannual blog post. Please, please do. <laughs> I, I mean, look for Steve's blog post in 2020. <laughs> so we have we have translations, we have multi-site stuff. Um, John, you talked a little bit about email-related issues. What, what are the other things outside of functionality type things that that developers should be looking at to make sure their things are going to work correctly? I mean, you got namespaces. You definitely have to take it. You know, you got to worry about. Uh, you got to worry about. Um, actually knowing how to upload to the repo correctly and making sure that all your screenshots are going to show up correctly. What are people using nowadays to kind of make sure that those like, is there like a boilerplate type thing that people are doing now or, or what is it that's, what's the new thing? I mean, generally speaking, I just, I, I pull down somebody else's repo and see what they're doing and just kind of mimic that. Um, this is, so I, I did that for my first plugin, right? For Queer All the Post Types, I actually pulled down a thing that John Hawkins wrote called CC Devs, found out how he was doing it, and I was like, okay, now I get it. And then I, I read the document that comes on make.wordpress for about uh, using SVN to the repo, and I just kind of hooked that up. There's not really a boilerplate, though, right? Because when, when, you, when you connect to SVN and you pull down your repo, it gives you a folder called assets, a folder called tags, a folder called branches, and a folder called trunk. And you've got to know which goes where and how the readme file picks that up. And there's a there's that learning curve there, right? Because so, inside that readme file, you say stable tag is, and you can say whatever it is, and then that's what's going to be downloaded when the person says install on my site. So it's kind of funny we talk about this because for the last couple weeks, in my spare time, I've been looking for like a boilerplate of how to Git deploy to use Git, which is what we all use internally, to a Git repo, and then have that like magically Travis CI or GitLab CI syntax checked and pushed over to SVN on org. And there are at least five or six posts out there that talk about how to deploy your plugins to .org all of them are rather different. None of them are very straightforward and make any sense. Um, I really dream of there being like a a blessed way of actually making that easy. Um, a hashtag blessed way of making it easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so I mean, the the repo uses SVN, which yeah. and we all use Git. So, is there a way to to make those talk and, and work well? I, I mean. There there are, but I don't pretend to understand or know them. Right. <laughs> I gotcha. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. there's all sorts of different tools. I mean, we sure. built our own for Jetpack um, about probably almost four years ago when we switched over from primary development on subversion to Git. Uh, and it basically, you feed the command line tool. Uh, we loosely based off one Mark Jake with had written 
um, with a lot of customizations, but we actually mandate that you have to feed it like a tag from Git. So it has to already be tagged on Git, then it'll sync that specific tag over. Um, then it overwrites master and then tags from there. But then that doesn't work necessarily if you want to do pre-release versions right. and betas and it's complicated at best. <laughs> right. So having done a lot of research into this lately, because I, I swear I'm going to find the one true way that works. Yes. Like I have found... We'll talk after. And then it's going to No, no. Because here's the thing. I have found 10 different bespoke ways that people have done it. No, no. I've never I, found I know the people, one true way. It's just not built yet. I, I've never found two people currently doing it the same way. No two no. fucking developers handle it the same way. I love that he said there is a way it's just not built yet. It's like there's a train coming. We yeah. just have to build the tracks for it. It exists in my mind, Pellis. It does, actually. It doesn't mind, too. Somewhere back here. But there's all these sites that are out there that will build these things for you. There's these generators. There's the one I was looking at. There's a, what's it, WPPB.io. Uh, there's all these different ones that are out there to kind of help you build these things and get it set up and ready to go. You know, I, I think that's, you know, it's obviously before you, you should probably be thinking about this before you actually go and say, hey, I want to build a, a plugin because now you're going to have to take your code and kind of, you know, shoehorn it into somebody else's boilerplate, right? We've... We've tried using boilerplates in the past. I don't. We haven't found any of them very good for our needs. We looked at Herbert, which uses a twig-based templating system and is really complicated. Uh, Tom McFarlane's WordPress plugin boilerplate. All of them, like, which is now Devin Vincent's WordPress plugin yeah, boilerplate. He took it. over. Right. Right. Which but, was the one I was just mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know the boilerplate that works the absolute best. What's a single file called plugin name.php with nothing in it. What I do is I I fork hello I, I fork hello dolly. That's how I start all my plugins. So so at, here first, folks. So, so at, at WebDev, we actually have a a, a Yeoman plugin um, generator that will generate hooks and filters and all these other things that we need. And then we actually have like a, an easy way to just to say like add custom post type and it, it doesn't include it's all that. But at the same time, like there's a lot of stuff like um, uh, grunt stuff like that that you have to pull out because you don't want to put that up on the repo. I mean, I don't know if there's actually going to be a true way to say this one is WordPress.org ready as soon as you write your code. I mean, if people are well, if people are just trying to get started on this stuff, I think the bo the boilerplates are a really good place to start. Like, I mean, there's a reason I'm a project manager and not a developer. But <laughs> you know, when I was learning how to do plugin, when I was learning how to do plugins and putting them into my own projects, I mean, that's where I started. Yeah, I mean, so uh, Russ, one thing that I've noticed is that that we use extensively is I'm assuming that everyone here is starting on Git. GitHub and then deploying to subversion as a right. standard flow. There's git ignore for folks you don't want in GitHub. There's also a SVN ignore for things you don't want to actually commit to subversion. So you can maintain that in your Git repository, and then those files will not get committed to the subversion repository. Ooh, interesting. I didn't know there was an SVN ignore. Yes. 
See, we all learned something cool today. Is there a uh, is there a water cooler ignore so I can just ignore the whole show or? Yeah, uh, hold on, I'm gonna mute myself. What <laughs> <laughs> where, where what's what's the hang up for you, Steve? No, I've got no hangups. I'm, I've just got nothing to contribute today. Oh, come on now. I'm, I'm just I'm just having the color commentary. Well, it's I mean, we we've talked about in the past in quite a few different episodes here where it's like if you're gonna build if you're gonna build functionality, don't put it into your theme. Make sure you put it into your plugin. And then what ends up happening with that is you go, oh my gosh, this is a great plugin. Other people are gonna be able to use this. And then you know somebody says, you know, oh, how do I get a copy of that plugin? And you don't want to give them this like one PHP file that that you know you want to make sure you have you know everything kind of in the repo or in the directory rather, and people are able to look at that and kind of use it. So you know, it, I don't know it seems like it's 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 a it's a tough thing to do when you're just trying to make one little cool plugin and that's it. Now, I mean, undergirding all this, I will say that there are a lot of code best practices that you should always do, regardless of whether you're writing a plugin, a theme, or whatnot, which is like sanitizing your inputs, escaping your outputs, uh, make sure you're not vulnerable to cross-site scripting or CSERFs, do what you need to do to keep your uh, content secure so you're not going to deal with security vulnerabilities down the road. Say, say like the uh, WordPress coding standards, George? Well, sure, but not only white space tidying, which I believe firmly is critical for any software project, but <laughs> being aware of what security stuff means and don't really, if you're selling yourself as a developer and you're selling your coding skills, you don't want to leave someone's, you wouldn't mark yourself as a locksmith if you're going to um, install a lock that just, doesn't require a key. So um, not the best metaphor, I admit. That was deep. I think we just found a bumper sticker to sell, right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've met a lot of people with like a hammer and a chisel, and they're like, hey, dude, I'm a locksmith. Check no. <laughs> My locksmith just comes with twist ties and like twist ties the knobs. That's it. Um, <laughs> No, I, so I think we're all developers. We talked a lot about that, but what about the other aftercare of plugin launching? How are you handling support? What's your plan for handling support? Whether it's a commercial plugin or a, a publicly freely available one, um, you've got to have some plan on what you're going to do for support. And I'll say I actually have a lot of, I may have a weird amount of respect for the people who put plugins in the repo and literally say, we're not going to support this at all. It's just free code. Uh, that goes you back. have respect or you have no respect for that? I, I do. I actually do. I'm like, that's fine with me. If you don't, like, the, the part of open source, right, has always been, I'm going to share my code. That doesn't mean I'm going to work for you and support you or whatever else. And well, the repo I, used to have more of that. Now it's like, so, meaning the WordPress.org repo is so like, you must support your stuff. And it's like, well. Depends on what your business goals are. Yeah. Well, it's also like Envato, where yeah. like you have somebody who puts a plugin on, you know, on their marketplace, and then they instantly tell you, like, we know that there's a support system here. We actually want you to go to our website, so that way we can, you know, control uh, every I control everything that's there. So that we can own your data. Well, yeah, back exactly. Up to what Steve said, it depends on what your business goals are. Not all plugins are written with business goals. Yeah, sure. it's like I just wanted to make the bar purple, so let me make the bar purple, and that's, yeah, it. And that's all. A lot of it is just altrui altruistic sharing of code. 
Yeah, most of my plugins are not written with business goals. That's uh, none of my plugins circle around like, hey, I might you know make this a company one day. Well, there so, is a, for you. Hey, guys, I did a thing. Yeah, but for you guys, there is the I want some professional recognition for what I've freely distributed. So there's like a, a second order or third order. Yes, but if you've got a, a non-supported plugin up there and people yeah. need, are, are posting things and need support and you've decided I'm not going to support it, what does that do to your brand? Yeah. Right. No, I, I think if you have a brand and you care about it, which many do. <laughs> it, it, wait, um, if you ha isn't that redundant? If you, if you have a brand, shouldn't you care about it? You should, but not everybody does. I, I, yeah. I get, I get maybe that. Your, I, maybe your brand, all. I, maybe I, your I, brand is not caring. I, <laughs> I, I was going to say, look at Mark Cuban. That, that's that's all. Be my new dev shop. I'd be like, don't give a dev shop. <laughs> <laughs> Use our plugins. We don't get. So what you know, if these plugins have a very specific, very specific um, niche market, and it's made for something that's you know, like I said, I just wanted to make the admin bar purple, and that was the only thing this thing does. But we end up finding out that there's an issue with it with your website. How how do you expect the people that are using your plugin to send you, uh, you know, a support request saying this isn't working right, or hey, I love that it makes it purple, but I also want to make it green. What do I do? Like how do you? What's the best way to do that? Is it to only use the you know the support system within the repo, or is it to come no, up with something else? No, nowadays people will just tag you on Twitter and be like, "Hey, your plugin sucks," <laughs> you, you, you know, and then like you're like, "Well, can you please go tell me what's going on on this you know on on the plugin repo uh, support forum?" And then it's just it's the same thing. They're like, "It sucks." <laughs> You know, so I, I mean, like, like so far for me is if some if something breaks, I check my plugin support tab for all three of my plugins every day just to see if anybody su submitted anything, right? You can like, subscribe to those via RSS, and there's ways of managing it. But what, I, I do. Uh, what, what about what about GitHub issues? Do, do does everyone check their GitHub issues? When all the time, all the time. I I check that way more often than I ever would the Donald. Mm -hmm. But if your plugin is made for the end user that has no business looking at PHP at all whatsoever, and they're just like, this thing's not working right, and then they go and find you in some way, you know, Googling your name or whatever, and finding your website where you talked about this plugin that you just made, and the only place to do support is on GitHub, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. At least that's no, the way I, I think of it. I refer them to our lead contact form. They find yeah. me outside of the official channels. I just say, well, well, here's, where, here's where you pay me. <laughs> well, so, so I, I mean, there, there's two kinds of support, though, right? There, there's somebody who says, like, hey, I expected your client, or your plugin to do this. Um, how come it's not doing that? And then there's the other side where it's like, maybe I'm trying to extend easy digital downloads, and you do that. Th that's a different support. That would I, I would expect that to go to GitHub, right? Well, um, be careful with sending yeah. support to GitHub because for me, GitHub is a horrible venue for end user support. It is a great venue for developers and bug tracking and pull requests. But anytime I see like the general public posting a question on GitHub, like this doesn't work, what do I do? That bugs the heck out of me. I hate that. I don't so know why, why is that? that? Be, because it's a, 
it's a forum for, and it's made for, bug tracking of specific bugs and specific development feature requests, not customer and user customer support. Um, and user customer support there just tends to be noise. It's an awful place to do it for me. I could be alone in this. Just I guess no, yeah, it depends I, on who your end user is that you're talking about. Because if I'm using your plugin and um, you're the type of developer that doesn't have a social media presence whatsoever, and your website has a broken uh, support, you know, support fields on there for you know support forms, then um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to contact you some way, and it's probably gonna be through GitHub. So let me give you a. a this is. John Brown's utopian idealistic version of the universe. You have five minutes, by the way. OK, so uh, take Jetpack, for example. If a user doesn't know how to get related posts working, and their question is, how do I get related posts working, that's a support forum request. That should never end up on GitHub, even though Jetpack is on GitHub. Like, that's an end user support request, right? right. right. If, they're, if, they're, if the issue is, Related posts can't be styled the way I want, and I need a new filter added. That's what goes to GitHub. That's what I was saying. It's geared for developer-to-developer -developer support, not end-user support. That's the point I was trying to make. I think people over the years have tried to use it for end-user customer support. I don't think it works well that way. And when end-users end up there because they can't find somewhere else, I think it doesn't go well because they're asking in the wrong place. But, so I guess yeah. I guess my thing was is it just depends on who the end user is because if you made a library for PHP and um, you're I'm having problems with your library then I, I should probably be going into GitHub saying hey I'm trying to use your library and it's not working correctly right because I am but I mean that's the only thing that makes <laughs> sense there so for commercial plugin support um, we use Help Scout yeah okay. we've looked at others everyone I know who's used Help Scout loves Help Scout um, love it. It's really nice. Um, it works really well. Our our actual plugins that, that we have lets people send a, a fill out a form, and then that form sends it directly straight to to Help Scout. Yeah, that's what we do too. Yep. Jason, what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 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 taking notes. <laughs> um, Let's see here. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, Help Scout seems to be the one that most folks are using because of the fact that it has great integrations with all sorts of different services that are out there. Um, have you seen any others that seem to be working okay? I know people who like using? Freshdesk. I know people who like Zendesk still. Yeah. Um, I know people who like. Um, the, the, there used to be a theme that was called. Soho like has one. There used to be a theme called like support desk or something um, that that was pretty cool, but that that went away after a while. Um, well, thanks for that, Russ. <laughs> the, there's a awesome support is a plugin that you can use on your site, which is you know pretty decent. Hmm. I've never heard of that one. <laughs> That's a ringing endorsement. Awesome. Awesome support is something that Matt Cromwell was like, hey, we should look into using this on the, the advanced WP site. And then like 20 minutes later, it was like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, that, that it looks cool. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Um, I think one thing to, to kind of offset that is writing great documentation and 
an example of that would be going to easy digital downloads and clicking on docs and, and uh, support stuff and seeing how they do things because their their support documentation alone I think offsets 70 or 80 percent of the tickets that they might have got yeah I, I will second the, uh, uh, the 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 sentiment for good documentation um, uh, there's not a lot of good documentation just out there in the world, let alone the WordPress space, out there in the technology space. There's not a lot of good doc documentation. Um, and so that can set a, a good product apart from a, from a great product. Well, and documentation could be an entire episode just talking about what's the best tactics for creating the documentation, for uh, taking your, um, your profanity that you put into, the, uh, into your comments and your PHP and turning it into documentation. There's a whole bunch of that sort of thing that you could definitely do to kind of make that work out right. I actually think that sounds like a great episode. And I'm sure like all, all my fellow developers, like, like us, we, we write our test code first and then our documentation first, and yeah. then we develop our plugin, right? Because that's best practices, right? We all do that? Yeah, so our documentation is, is sure. stellar. So, so for the most part, I, I write the new version, and while I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, I added a filter here, and then like I'll write that down. And then when that when I update my my stuff, like here's the new version, I'll actually go into the doc side of my site and I'll go update anything that has to do with that filter or something that I changed, just so all my my stuff is up to date, right? Because backlogging is also a thing that you got to think about, right? Yeah, I think this is going to be a, definitely going to be a, a next a next uh, episode topic that we're just going to have to discuss because it seems like it's going to be something that everyone's going to have a hundred different ways to do it and then just kind of boiling it down to this is my docs and these are how they're being updated throughout the project. I'm, so. I'm, I'm already perfect uh, when it comes to documentation, so I won't attend. Yeah. So nice. I, I write I write software that's so easy to use that doesn't need documentation. <laughs> <laughs> Decisions, not options. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Folks, that's about it for today. Thank you very much for being on the show and hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Go over to our website at wpwirecore.com. You can click on the links there to subscribe. If you want to subscribe to the show, there's a whole myriad of ways of just subscribing to this thing. Yes, Steve, people actually listen to the show. You can go over to wpwirecore.com slash subscribe, and they have a, I have some documentation there that explains how to use, uh, how to use our, um, our services. Where do I find water cooler ignore? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much, folks. Thanks for being on the show. Hit the little thumbs up button. And if you like this stuff, hit subscribe on the thing that you're listening to us to. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.